In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have um, been debating within myself as to whether or not to call attention to my face. Can you see my face that it kind of glows? Well, I went up on Mount Sinai yesterday, and I can't, no. Uh, Actually, I went to Reckling Park uh, and watched the Rice Owls play baseball. And um, Father Bates, you would think that at the ripe old age that I have attained, I would have sense enough at least to put on a hat. No hat, no long sleeves. Um, I'm hurting. But it's appropriate, uh, it's appropriate because I, I want to begin by talking about our ancient relatives, the people of Israel, back in, say, the time of Moses or whatever. Uh, back in those days, in the history of, of ancient Israel, that people, back, back in those days, if, um, if they were to think, if they thought about the acts of God, uh, they thought, at least at first, that, well, God uh, demonstrates uh, his power in, in forms of natural phenomena. Uh, the God who was to be taken seriously was a God who could turn nature on its head, could turn nature upside down. And so there would be floods and earthquakes and famine and mighty winds and, and roaring seas. And, and the awesomeness of God is, is that is that the awe the creature feels and, and, and his sense of helplessness and terror in the face of, of such an extraordinary force. The, the, the small boat on the vast sea. Indeed, to look upon God was to look upon the possibility of one's own destruction. Oh, Moses... Moses did not avert his eyes from God necessarily out of modesty or or respect or reverence. No, no, he diverted his eyes from God out of fear, lest he be destroyed by the one who was capable of making fire where there was none. Now, back in my day in seminary, and that's almost as long as the ancient Israelites, uh, one, one of the assigned books for study in Old Testament was a book by a person by the name of George Ernest Wright. And the book was entitled, The God Who Acts. And Professor Wright wanted it clearly understood that the God who was capable of commanding the loyalty of so fractious a bunch as the children of Israel, and by implication uh, ourselves this day and age, that God was no namby-pamby, inert, benevolent force. No. This was a God who acted in history. He got things done. He was a God who confronted and confused nature. A God who opened the sea to swallow up all of Pharaoh's army. Or who stopped the mouths of the lions in order 
to protect old Daniel. In short, a God who was capable of anything, anything that suited his will and purpose. Indeed, we can worship the gods of power and action in our world. If we do so, then where do prudence and power leave us? Is the answer simply that, that man must be prudent because God is so powerful? Moving from the Old Testament concept of God, the gospel reading for today indicates, thankfully, a major change in theological thinking from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from a God of power and awe to a God of love. Expressed probably most beautifully in the entire New Testament in our verse that you just heard, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life quite a change for God so loved God's power is subordinate to his love this world is subordinate to God's love the world is a place that is loved by God like creation it is good although terrible things happen in it for it's not perfect it's not without pain and the price of our freedom is to, is to learn to cope with a world of ambiguity danger, pain but joy and opportunity through all of it God relates to us out of his love, out of his great love for us. The action of God now, the action of God that now counts is love. Furthermore, God loves us so much, so much, that the ultimate expression of his love, his, his act of love toward us is to send himself in the form of his son. And ought we not to take that sign of God's love for us in Christ as a sign that we are lovable and that this world is worth loving? And if that is so, can there be any possible limit to what we can attempt as God's representatives in this world. I believe that God has made the world and loves it so much that God has given himself into our hands and thus made his work our opportunity. God has chosen not to act in the form 
of natural phenomena. God has chosen now to act, now, in the form of men and women who know him, love him, and want to serve him. By God's love, by God's love for us in Jesus Christ, we are become in ourselves, in our own persons, in our daily lives, evidence. Evidence, living proof that the God who acted in the lives of the prophets and the martyrs and the saints, that God still acts in the likes and the lives of you and me. Amen.